welcome. Aside from the backing vocals, that is the sound of one man simultaneously beating and strumming one guitar and singing. And what you just heard is what it actually sounds like when this guy takes the stage. That, folks, is called Golden Rule. It is the latest single from my guest, Finland's very own double threat. He's a jaw-dropping virtuoso in solo fingerstyle guitar and a gifted bilingual singer-songwriter and also a very intelligent, very conscious, very loving guy. And I'm lucky enough to call him my friend. It's Petre Sariola. And if you're a typical American and you can't roll your R's, he's usually cool with being called Pete. I'm pretty excited. Petre hasn't released original music in a long time now, and his brand new album, Resolution, is going to be available on all digital platforms this week as of Friday, August 11th. Petre and I got to catch up over Skype not too long ago, and we talked about a ton of stuff, a bit of which you are about to hear, along with some more music. If you find yourself wanting more, you can have it. You can get part two of this podcast and every other podcast I make and every new song I release on my own by supporting me for less than a dollar a month. Visit patreon.com slash Seth Haran in the show notes and pledge a dollar. I've had this set up for over two years now, and I release music maybe eight to ten times a year. So for eight to ten bucks spread out over a year, the price of two lattes, you can set it, forget it, and never again be frustrated that you can't hear my music. I can't think of a better deal that doesn't leave me destitute. And you're entirely welcome to it. Patreon.com slash Seth Haran. The link is in the show notes and on just about every web page I've ever associated with. Hop to it and join up and catch up on what you've been missing. For now, though, sit back, relax, and enjoy a few snippets from my long, enlightening, and entertaining conversation with the amazingly talented Petre Sariola. Ladies and gentlemen, Petre Sariola. Hey! What time is it there? It's, I think, 9.30 now, approximately. Okay, and when, when did you stop drinking? Uh, I didn't. Just jokes. Just jokes, folks. Yeah. So, first and foremost, you have mm-hmm. a new record coming out all over the world very soon. Right, yeah. So my record comes out on 11th of August. Ele- August 11th, and the album is called... Resolution. <laughs> That's not funny. Oh, it's a good title. It's There's a lot of meaning to it. It just sounded funny to say it with such a... Transformesque quality. Is that a word? Uh, I just made it up. <laughs> Transformesque. So tell us about anyway. the new record. How long has it been? It's been how long since Phases came out? Yeah, Phases came out in 2009. And to kind of wrap our heads around what Resolution is about, we have to jump all the way back to my first record, Silence, which came out in 2009. 2009. Uh, sorry, Silence was 2007. I was going to say, because we met in 2006 and Silence came out the next year. Yes. Silence was 2007, Phases 2009, and now we are at Resolution in 2017. Now, Resolution completes a trilogy 
um, these albums are essentially about the arch of life. So silence is the birth, phases is the adulthood, and resolution is the ending. And considering Death. you're 33, you're pretty much donezo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Time to hang it I'm... up. <laughs> no, okay, I'm sorry. So go back to, tell me more about this, the, the story arc that you're, that you're talking about. Yeah, so these albums are connected. The theme connects all of them. There's also um, visual links. They, the, the back covers of the uh, records, they form uh, a puzzle. And then there's other visual details within the booklets, just in the theme. And I'm really happy how it came out. I didn't really... It took so long to make this last one because I just didn't feel like I could make music about this subject. Okay. Now, you're an instrumental virtuoso and you're a singer-songwriter. Mm. And you do that all on the same record. And... I realize that some people would consider it sacrilege, but there's very few people, very few people who've done it at the level you're doing it before. Um, the first name that comes to mind is, of course, Michael Hedges. Mm, right, right. And so how do you, I should say, do you encounter people who have a hard time deciding what you are to them do you do you encounter people who only really acknowledge your instrumental music or only really acknowledge your vocal music yeah maybe sometimes but um not so much these days the home base would be the instrumental stuff sure but the vocal stuff has been on the side now almost as long as as, as the instrumental thing so if somebody doesn't know that I can sing or somebody doesn't know that I can play, then I'm not going to stress about it. They can just Google my name or, and, and they, they see both. And they can, I'm not going to force my, <laughs> you know, the story of my career to, to other people. It's like I, I let them find out on their own time. Okay, cool. Yeah. You know, as, as we are humans, we... Um, have a very narrow way to see things usually and that just because i'm profiled as an acoustic player doesn't mean that i wouldn't use electric guitar almost all the time and at at least either on my own records or play oh, for other serious. people yeah exactly exactly and it's like completely ridiculous like oh you play electric guitar as well so just a point that um we kind of we generalize things a lot, and that's sure. just well, this, how humans the, work. So, well, it's really. Mm. I think humans are a lot more open to a broad spectrum of possibilities, but I think that the music industry really likes to mm. compartmentalize so that they can market. Sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. We're as artists, we're always fighting marketing, and now you just entered into a new ag agreement with a new label. Isn't that right? Yeah, like a label service, in fact. Is that how they're going to distribute your music in all over the yeah. world? Yeah. You put up a picture on Instagram of you very happily shaking this guy's hand, and he looks yeah. very happy that you're there. And um, yeah. I just see art shaking the hand of commerce. And I'm, okay. And I'm wondering, are they both going to still be smiling? <laughs> like, 
So is far, he, so does, good. Does he agree with your vision? Like, does he is he excited to have you, or is he as excited to do one particular thing? No, he's excited to have me as a whole, as an artist, the good. whole package. Yes, because America needs you. <laughs> but America, if you're listening to this, make it happen. We need to make it happen. We need to get this man back on American soil. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So let's talk about some songs. San Francisco mm. Drive, speaking yeah. of America. Is San Francisco Drive a place in America? Or is there some place in Helsinki called San Francisco Drive? No, no, no. Um, to me, the song just has this kind of uh, exploitation movie feel to it. Like the 70s America... Okay. The the movie Bullet, the yeah. French Connection, that kind of vibe. So this you know, isn't a you're not this isn't about a street. This is about a San Francisco drive. Yeah. Now I'm on board. <laughs> I'm so glad we're talking about this. Yeah. I, I um stumbled on the opening riff. I was actually touring in South Korea. I had just arrived sat down in the hotel room, uh, picked up my guitar, tried a new tuning. Or actually, my guitar was in a, in a weird tuning I had been fiddling around with. But yeah, the, the, the riff just came about and, oh, man, yes. Yeah, the title of the song, um, I wanted to have something referring to these car chase movies. And San Francisco is the legendary place for these car chase movies. So keep that in mind. Imagine your favorite black exploitation car chase scene as we listen to San Francisco Drive by Petri Sarriol. So, tell me about Japan. You just, yeah. all, your record is already out in Japan. And yeah. you've been playing Japan for years and years. And mm -hmm. from what I can see on the internet, you are kind of worshipped in Japan like a big, shiny, bald-headed god. <laughs> <laughs> With a guitar in well, your hands. Like... Yeah, you're like a beetle. 
over from what I can tell. And if you're not, just tell me you are, so that it sounds really good for the podcast. But, of course, but if if I if I'm a Beatle in there, I would uh, I would be the bastard child of of Ringo and and George. <laughs> That's and so what, man? What's wrong with that? Okay. <laughs> So Japan, what? When did yeah. you first go over there, and uh, who who got you to Japan? Did, was it just on a whim? You decided I'm gonna go play some shows, or did somebody bring no. you? The story goes like this: that there was a guy in a Japanese label called, called King Records. This guy Susumu, the A8R, was scrolling through uh, YouTube videos. I think Victor Wooten videos, and then he came across my song Prime. Yeah. And that was in 2006, I think. Uh, he was very—he got really excited about it. Got in contact. Uh, he actually came over to Finland to to meet me and my label back then. And he came to see a show. Got was convinced. And he then came he to got Finland me. to see a show. Yeah, yeah. And then he got me over to Japan. And I've been working with King Records ever since. And I'm really grateful and happy about that. I've been there. I've toured there like this was my tour number 10. Wow. Damn, 10 years in Japan. It's it's uh, and it's beautiful. And it keeps getting bigger. It seems like, the, the stu- like I said, the stuff I see, you're mobbed with people. And this is great because everything I hear about Japan is it seems to be like these are the last people in the world who still appreciate the whole experience of being a fan. These, ah. I, maybe this is an unfair thing to say, but it's just perception. Of course, not having been there, I, I'm subscribing to the mythology of the Japanese yeah. fan. It seems to be yeah. that they just want to meet you, get your picture taken with you, buy the T-shirt, yeah. buy the CD, yeah. have your handwritten lyrics posted on their wall, like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Am I am I completely off base with this, or is this real? No, yeah, don't be humble. This no, <laughs> this is on the internet. It, it is like that. I mean, they uh, when you play a show, if you play a good show, I've played shows with 100, 200, 300 people. If it's a good show, if that night goes really well, like almost every member of the crowd will come to get an autograph and have a picture taken. They buy some random merch, a CD, and uh, yeah, they they are really. It has a certain culture. That country has a certain certain culture about fan culture, you know. Yeah, and I'm, what yeah. I'm saying is that it seems to me that that culture they took from places like America, and now mm. in places like America, it's dead. But Japan seems to be like mm-hmm. the last stand for the fan culture. They've made it so much their own. You have more to compare know. it to. I mean, you play different countries in Europe. Is there anything even remotely close to that? Oh, sure, sure. German fans. Oh, yeah? They are lovely. Yeah, they come... Uh, I've seen many German fa- fans fly from Germany to Finland to see me play. What? Yeah, yeah. And they, they drive hours. They have a beautiful fan culture as well. So, aside from <laughs> Finland... Germany and Japan, you would say, are your big places where you where yeah. people support you. So you tour each of those countries once a year ish, maybe. Japan, I tour within two years once or twice. Okay. Germany, I play 
at least once a year, maybe on a busy year, I've gone there like four or five times even. Oh my goodness. And are the German yeah. fans, are they as about you as it seems to be that the, as it seems the Japanese fans are? I mean, do you have to make sure that you ship uh, enough merchandise ahead of you when you go to Germany because you're going to sell out sort of thing? Or is it, no, we just listened to you on Spotify and I bought a ticket? Oh, they still buy CDs. See, that's fascinating. Yeah. No but wonder. I, I'm, you, now I understand why you aren't coming to America. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ouch. I guess there's always a little truth said in jest. Our conversation was wide-ranging and got a lot more interesting from there. And if you want to hear that, as well as listen to the songs in their entirety, not just snippets, pledge a dollar at patreon.com slash sethharan. That link is in the show notes. And you'll get all that and a lot more. Please check it out. I'm going to tie this up with one of the songs Petre did with me on the Clang and Chime album. I sent him a recording of me doing the solo bass and vocal arrangement of this song, and he sent me back this gorgeous, lush arrangement with layers of his guitars and vocals that just blew my mind. We're going to play out part one with a bit of Stronger Still. Thanks for listening, folks. Patrons, I'll see you after the jump. Make me laugh, make me smile. Just let me love you even stronger still. you like you've never known and how can i find any soothing words to say except to tell you you will never truly be 